Welcome back to the Marshfield First Podcast. You can find our sermon audio right here each week where you can subscribe, download, share, or leave a rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So as we look at the book of Colossians chapter 3 today, it's going to take us back to fix our eyes on Jesus. Because our eyes can't be anywhere else. Our heart can't be anywhere else but on Jesus. So if you'll open your Bible to the book of Colossians chapter 3, we continue our series here. Paul's writing this book to the believers in Colossae to a church he had never visited. This is one of the few churches that he wrote to that he didn't plant. Paul, um, his circumstances of, of writing this letter were, he was in prison and he was writing to encourage. Here was a man who was um, arrested for um, his, his faith, his following of Jesus. And, and he didn't let that stand in the way of, of the circumstances kind of pulling him back but yet he was prompted to continue encouraging believers and, and telling people about how wonderful Jesus is. So read with me in Colossians chapter 3. We're going to read verses 1 through 4, and then we're going to look at some of the other verses um, here in chapter 3. Paul writes at the, in verse 1 of chapter 3, he says, So if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Do you remember the, uh, the old game um, that you might play at a party years and years and years ago? It's, it's not a game y'all would play today. Um, Maybe um, in a classroom, as an example, or as a conversation starter, you would, you would sit in a circle, and there may be eight or ten of you sitting in the circle, and, and the first person would tell the person next to them a sentence. And you would, uh, you would start the, the, the sentence, and then they're supposed to repeat the sentence from person to person to person. The game telephone, I think is what it's called. Around and around and around and around. And when it gets to the last person and they say the sentence out loud, rarely is it what it started. Oftentimes, it's not even close. And then you start kind of giggling with the person next to you. Oh, yeah, I thought you said, and you know, and, and it's just all jumbled and um, it's just different. You know, and that's what happens over time when you move from the original. So the game and the game of telephone, the sentence is passed and passed and passed, and it becomes something different. It's no different with with pictures. If you were to take a, a picture and use a photocopy machine, and and maybe you printed it off your computer, and the the first print that you get, it comes off and it actually looks pretty good. You know, it's not the original. Um, but it, it looks pretty good. And then if you were to take that print out and make a photocopy, and then you take that photocopy and you place that on the photocopy machine and you get another print, and you do that four or five or six times. And before you know it, that, that picture, while it still it resembles the original, it's not anywhere near close to as good or as pretty or as perfect as what was printed off your computer. 
And it's definitely not something you would take then and put in a picture frame and, and hang in your house and say, look how wonderful this picture is. Um, unless maybe one of your sweet grandchildren colored on it and signed it and, and wrote you a little note and then maybe you would stick it up. You see, the further and further we get from the original, the changes that begin to happen. And, and so what Paul is doing, he's talking to these believers in um, Colossae and he's wanting to remind them of Jesus. He's wanting to take them back completely to Jesus. We've seen that in chapter 1. We've seen it in chapter 2. And now in chapter 3, Paul takes us back. Um, and I believe he's telling us that when you evaluate yourself, when you begin thinking about where you stand before God, when you think about um, the good things you've done, when you think about um, how your life is going, the, the thing you compare that to is... Jesus. It's not the person sitting to your right or to your left or to your connect group teacher or, or maybe to, even to your sweet grandma who loves Jesus. You don't even compare. Now there's things you can pull from their lives and you can put those practices and those are helpful. But we always go back to Jesus and that's what Paul is telling these believers in Colossae and I think that's what Paul is reminding us today. We always have to go back to Jesus. When we look in these verses, he starts chapter 3 with this phrase. He says, so if you have been raised with Christ. Paul starts here, and I think it's a, a great way for us to, to, to pause for a moment as we navigate these verses to remind us that if you have been raised with Christ... That the way that you are raised to life, the way that you experience new life, the way that you experience peace, the way that you experience God, uh, hope, it is being raised with Christ. It is not being raised in your good works. It's not being raised in your church attendance. It's not being raised in doing this or doing that. But I, I, it's not even raised in singing in the choir for 60 years. She's not here. She wouldn't like it if I did that, but, but I dare some of y'all to try to trump that, so try to, to outdo her just a, a little bit. You see, it's, it, we haven't been raised in our good works. We have been raised, we've been raised with Christ. It's not that we can earn it, not that we can gain it on our own. It's we are, have been raised with Christ. The starting point, our identity, our relationship is that we have been raised with Christ. And so if you are a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, then when you look at this sentence, you recognize that I have been raised with Christ. You can go back to the day that you experienced that new life. You can go back to the place. Maybe it was at vacation Bible school one year when you were a child. Maybe it was one time when you were off at church camp. Maybe it was in your bedroom. Maybe it was um, at your din uh, dining room table with your mom or your dad. Or, or maybe it was, you can go back to that place in your mind and you can say, it was there that I was raised with Christ. That I was in Christ. Paul says, if you are in Christ, then you need to consider these things. The first, that we need to seek things of God. Verse 1 says, if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things above 
where Christ is seated at the right hand. Paul is encouraging these early believers to reorient their life around Christ, to seek things above. He's wanting them to take their life and orient them to the things related to Christ. If Jesus did it, then we want to try to do it. If that was the attitude of Christ, then we want to try to bring that into our life. We are trying to orient our life to Christ. We seek the things above. You see, this will confront some thoughts and patterns, um, ideologies, uh, other things that we can come in contact with. Um, All of those things filter through who Jesus is. We are to seek things above. I love the way one author said this. It says that we redirect the affections of our heart so that we will be more like Christ. We want to to know Christ and we want to understand that we seek after those things. We become captivated with those things. Our time and our energy, our resources, we should reflect on those and measure those in value to the kingdom of God. So when we reflect on our life and the things that we're seeking after, we should recognize how valuable are these things to the kingdom of God. You see, ultimately, the things we pursue, our union with Christ, with Christ, should stir the affections of our heart for Him and then redirect the other things. We should be pursuing after Christ and His kingdom. Paul writes and he says very simply to these believers, if you are in Christ, seek the things above. You know, sometimes I think it's good for me um, just to withdraw. Like last night, I sat out on on our back deck. It was a beautiful night. Um, Still had to have a sweatshirt on and probably could have had a fire going. But it was nice. It was quiet. It was peaceful. I had music playing. I I played that the two last two songs we sang and just getting my heart in the in the right place. It was putting me in a place where I could begin to contemplate and think about the the things of God. As followers of Christ today, we should be seeking after the things above. Now that doesn't mean you don't get to go and do enjoyable things. It doesn't mean that you can't go play basketball and you can't do this and you can't do that. And teenagers, it doesn't mean you can't play video games. You just can't play video games in church. We should be seeking after the things of God. The second thing he says in verse 2, set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. He kind of repeats himself here, but he, he, get, he takes it and makes it a little more clear. You see, the second thing is we need to set our mind right. Set your mind on things above. We need to, to reshape our minds 
towards the things of God. You see, the things we think about, the things we dwell on. Now, I don't believe if you think it, it'll happen, right? Like if you just think about it hard enough that you're going to make something happen. Um, But I do think the things we think about, the things we dwell upon, they affect and they shape who we become and what we do. Our mind shapes so many different things. And that's why I think not just here, but in other places, in First, in first Peter, he said, uh, prepare your minds for action. He says here, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. One of the things that happens when we set our mind on heavenly things is that it protects us from the world's influence and the culture's influence and trying to pull us away, trying to to pull us into the patterns of this world. And that's why we have to set our minds on things above. How do we do that? We do that by reading the scripture. It seems like almost every week we come back and say that, don't we? Spending time in God's word. Not because he'll, he'll love you more if you read the Bible. No, because we're able to be shaped by the word of God. It prepares our mind. It sets our mind. The other thing it does is it guards our hearts and our minds with supernatural peace. I don't know about you, but sometimes the circumstances of the moment and the circumstances of the day, they can create chaos around me. Um, I don't know if you've experienced chaos. Uh, the last couple of weeks, I've really been spending some time thinking about that idea of chaos. And it's be- because um, our Easter series is titled Chaos. And the reason why we're going to look through that lens at the gospel and the cross and the resurrection is because as your pastor, I watch and observe and I see and I hear so many things. And over the last several months, it feels like in so many different ways, we individually as families are experiencing chaos. I want to ask you to raise your hand and say, yeah, I know what you're talking about, but I'm confident many of us know. And if we're not in it, we've been there. You see, life circumstances can create all kinds of chaos, and that's why we need to to seek the things of God, and that's why we need to set our minds on things above, because it's there that I've had conversations with you, many of you, that you've communicated in the midst of the chaos a peace that can only be known from the presence of God. And we do that by seeking the things of God and setting our minds on things of God. The next thing we find here in these verses is in verse 3. It says, For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. I want to encourage you. The third application here is continue to die to the old life. You see... One of the reasons why baptism is a a beautiful picture of our relationship with God 
And Emmett this morning so beautifully um, displayed that in front of us. It's our old life dying, being put to death, and coming back to life. We need to die to the old self. And what that means is um, before Christ, we were, um, the Bible says that we were enemies of God, that we were alienated, that we loved the world, that we craved the things of the world. We were separated from God because of our sin. We need to die. In Christ, we are a new creation. We need to die to that old self. And it's a continual process. Even the Apostle Paul who wrote this letter in so much of the New Testament, he said, I, I don't do the things I want to do. And I do the things that I don't want to do. What Paul's saying is, it's a continual process of becoming like Christ. It's a continual process of being made in the image of Christ. We have to continue dying to self. Read what Paul wrote here down in verse 5. It says, Therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, God's wrath is coming upon the, the disobedient. And you once walked in these things where you were, when you were living in them, but now put away all the following anger and wrath and malice and slander and filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old self with its practices. Paul gives us a list. He gives us some examples. This is not exhaustive because we can, we can add to it, couldn't we? Um, we, could, we could add to the things that other people do, right? Um, but we look at these lists and these are things that we need to die to. The old self. Some of this list you probably read through and you thought, hmm, I hope he doesn't talk a little bit about that. And others you were like, well, I'm glad I don't do that. But the truth is, there are things in all of our lives that we have to continue to struggle against. That's why one of the best words that I like for discipleship is, is the word becoming. Because it, it talks about the process of, of how we are becoming like Christ. We're not there yet, but we're in process. And if you are in Christ, every single one of us are in process. If you are a young adult, you are in process of becoming like Christ. If you are a senior adult, you are still in process progress but we have to continue to die to our old life the last thing we find here in these verses in, in verse 4 says when Christ who is your life appears then you all will also appear with him in glory we are to die to our old self, our old life, but we are to live new. And the Bible in this verse says, and forever. We are to, to live new and forever. I love the way Paul writes this. And if you, if you read this too fast, you almost miss it. When Christ, who is your life, and then there's a comma there, that means we need to take a breath. When Christ, who is your 
life. Like, he is everything. In Christ, we have everything. In verse 11, at the end of this section, it says, Christ is our all in all. You know, many times, as men and women, we spend our lifetime chasing after things. We spend our lifetime chasing after money or promotions or this or that. We, we, we want to, we're, we're trying to gain all of these things and, and being successful and working hard are good things. Don't hear me say they're, they're not. But if they become your all in all, then you will spend your life just circling and spinning your wheels because Paul right here, he reminds us, he says, when Christ appears, who is your life? Like that is the, the meaning of life is Christ. To know him and, and to be known by him and to begin pursuing after him. To know him just a little bit more each day. He says, then you will also appear with him in glory. Teenagers, I know... Some of you are getting towards the end of high school and you're beginning to think about what's next. Our class on Sunday nights with juniors and seniors, we're talking about all kinds of different things. But it's so easy to become so consumed with what's next. You forget about what Christ is doing now. And adults, that's not just a teenager thing, is it? It's so easy for us to be consumed with what's next that we forget that we've already experienced the fullness of Christ. And we continue to take steps towards Him. I love the way he says this at the end of the verse. And when Christ appears, that means He's coming back. Christ is coming back. The old song, soon and very soon, I'm going to see the king. One day, whether it's in my lifetime, your lifetime, one day Jesus is coming back. The scripture talks about it. One day in 1 Thessalonians, it talks about how he's going to come back and he's going to take the bride of Christ, which is the church. All of those who have talked, what he talks about here in verse 1, in Christ, if you are in, raised with Christ, one day he's coming back and he's going to take um, all of the believers to the new heaven and the new earth. And, and we're going to spend forever with him. You know, I think it's sometimes easy not to think about his return and that he's coming back. But the truth is, he is. It, it's, it's going to happen. When we think about the return of Christ, I think it helps us think about a couple of things. One, it helps us recognize how temporary everything around us is. It's one of the reasons why he encourages us in the first three verses. Don't set your mind on these things of the earth. Don't seek only after the things of this earth because they're going to fade away. They're not coming with you. The other thing it, it reminds us that we need to live life with an urgency. That he is coming back and today could be the day. That's not just preacher talk. I believe that at any moment Christ could return. 
And he will take those who are in Christ with him to spend forever with him. But there's also an urgency that comes with that. Because I believe with all of my heart that one day Christ is going to return and he's going to take all of the believers with him to spend eternity and forever, as the scripture says, with him in heaven. I also believe there should be an urgency that you and I as followers of Christ should be lovingly communicating the truth of the gospel to people around us. We should have an urgency to be able to share good news of Christ because heaven is forever. And when he returns, he seals that moment that those who are not in Christ will forever be separated from him in a place the Bible calls hell. And so we should lift up our eyes and be excited about the second coming of Christ. But we should be motivated to be able to communicate that lovingly to people around us. You have a story in Christ that would encourage someone. And so often we think nobody wants to hear about that. And when you think that way, do you know what you're thinking? You're thinking of earthly things. You're not thinking of heavenly things. You're not seeking the things of God. And I want to encourage you. The work Christ is doing in you is not just for you. It's for the people around you. And he ends in verse 11 in this section. And he says, Christ is our all in all. So church family, I want us to be, always be reminded that whatever it is, it comes back to Christ. He is the cornerstone. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. So I want to encourage you. This week in your prayer time, when you're reading the scriptures, I want you to reflect on your, your heart. I want you to kind of spiritually look in the mirror and ask God, ask the Holy Spirit, God, am I seeking things of the kingdom? Am I seeking you, God? Is my mind set in the right place? Am I thinking about the right things? Are there things I need to die to? Things in my old self that, that keep growing like remember last week I mentioned the, the weeds that keep coming are, are there things in my life that keep that keep coming back that I need to to die to then I want you to pick your eyes up and I want you to look to the sky and say God thank you for being my life thank you for being everything I need